Well, before you're seated, why don't you greet somebody in the love of the Lord and tell them that you're glad they're here. It's good to see them. If you're on live stream, if you're on podcast or any place online, we welcome you in the name of the Lord, and we're glad that you could join together with us. Hallelujah. We're under the banner of his word and under his anointing. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, the uh, street ministry was out yesterday and two people got saved, two decisions to receive Jesus into their life. Hallelujah. And now that their spirit is saved, you know, the soul needs discipleship. That mind, that emotion, and that will did not change when you get saved. And that's what discipleship is all about, getting your soul and your spirit lined up to walk in and to bring out into your everyday life the life of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's what discipleship is all about, isn't it? Amen. There was a lot of prayers for various needs, and they gave out a lot of flyers for Harvest Festival. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. God is so good. Amen. Amen. You know, I never knew that before I got saved. I always thought God was the one with the baseball bat and beat you over the head if you do something wrong. I figured, well, beat me because I just can't do nothing right. (laughs) You know, and of course, they used to tell you in the church that I was in, you're only going to go to heaven if you're a saint. And that's if they thought you was a saint. You know, well, I knew I wasn't going to make that category. So I said, well, I'm, I'm done with all this nonsense. I'm done with church. I'm done. I'm certainly not going to put money in church. And I wasn't going to go to church. And if I could, if I'm going to go and have to pay for sin, let's live it up in sin. But then I got saved. And then I realized I was lied to all my life. And I won't say purposely lied to, just that didn't know any better. Isn't that right? But it's good to know truth. Why? Because when you know the truth and you walk in the truth, it's the truth that'll make you free. Hallelujah. Get you free from all the deception, all the lies, and you can walk in truth and enjoy the freedom and liberty that Jesus came to give you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, the last several weeks, we've been talking about giving and what the Word of God talks about in different areas of giving. And uh, we've talked about the tithe, we've talked about first fruits, we talked about almsgiving, and today we're going to talk about seed sowing. So this will probably be the last one that we talk about. Some of you may say, well, thank God for that. Some of you might say, I don't know. But, you know, God, you know, when it comes to giving, when it comes to anything, anything, when it comes to God's requirement of your obedience, whatever it might be, he's always looking at your benefit, And that's what you always have to understand about God. He's always looking for your benefit. He wants you to obey him so you can shut the door on the devil. He wants you to give so that you can increase. He's always looking for our benefit. He sent Jesus to die for us for our benefit so that we could be saved. Jesus certainly didn't need to be saved. He was God. Isn't that right? The word made flesh and he gave up his deity and came and lived as a man. And he died an excruciating death, went into hell and paid the price for our sin under the laws of atonement. And he uh, uh, was then raised up by the Father out of hell, not out of the grave, but out of hell itself. Praise God. And he paid that price for our sin. Well, he didn't do that for himself or for any other reason except for our benefit. Everything God has in his word is for our benefit. 
Amen. You know, sometimes now, like when I first got saved, I saw things in the Word, and I'm thinking, I got to stop doing that. I like that. But then I realized that's what was killing me, a slow death. And the more I walked out of that from 42 years ago, life is a lot better than it was today. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He renews your youth like an eagle. Amen. So, as in all giving, as we've looked at, faith is always involved. And faith needs to be set in the right position. Faith has to be in the right position. When it comes to seed sowing, we are not setting our faith to be repaid for what we sow, because that's almsgiving. We are not believing God for our bonds to be filled with plenty or our vats to overflow with divine blessing because that's first fruit giving. We're not believing for our storehouses, our, bon our storage bins to be filled with plenty. We're not expecting the windows of heaven to open up. We're not expecting the devourer to re be rebuked by seed sowing because that's the tithe. Yeah. And you have to know what you're doing, what you're giving to, and what the promise of God is that's attached to it. God said what he will do in every area of giving. And here's what you find out about God. He only does what he says. He doesn't do what you say. He doesn't do what you erroneously think. Well, that's truth to me. God don't really give a rip. Because your truth could be darkness. And if the light in you is darkness, then how great the darkness is because you think it's the light. No, God said what he will do, and he only does what he says he'll do. And that's why he says he watches over his word to perform it. So all you have to do is do his word, and he'll watch over it to perform it. Amen. So first fruit giving, remember, is the first of any increase that's coming into our life. And the examples we used was for older folks, you might get Social Security. So the first time you get a raise, which I think there's one coming in January. Anyway, enough for, coffee. enough for coffee, another cup of coffee. Anyway, so that's going to be a monthly increase. So the first monthly increase is your first fruit giving. I know. I mean, that's hard because a lot of times we look for the increase and go, well, I could use that. Yeah, you can use it starting on the second one. The first one is a first fruit increase. Now, if you can't give that first fruit increase to God, he can't trust you with money. See, the Bible says, if you cannot be faithful with the unrighteous mammon, who's ever going to trust you with the real riches? So if we can't be faithful to do what the word of God says about money that's passing away, that absolutely means nothing when it comes to eternity. If you can't be faithful with that, God will never trust you with anything. Amen. I know that sounds hard, but when you get that, when you get that, your life's going to get better. See, God's all about your life getting better. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. It's like, you know, the tithe. The tithe is what? A tenth. A tenth of all that comes in. Isn't that right? And when I first found out about tithing, I couldn't live on 100%. How am I going to live on 90%? But it's better to live on 90% that's blessed than 100% that's cursed. Because if you don't tithe, you're cursed. Everything you have is cursed. But if you do tithe, everything you have is blessed. Amen. They go further with a 90% blessing than 100% cursing. Hallelujah. 
Almsgiving, of course, is giving to the poor. The needy, the poor, it's benevolence, humanitarian aid, things like that. That's almsgiving. And there are different promises attached to each one. So if the tithe is 10%, when does seed sowing start? At 11%. Starting at 11%, that would be seed sowing. Now, if you're not tithing, you're never seed sowing. Amen. If you're not tithing, you're not first fruit giving. You have to be a tither. That's the basics of all financial increase in your life. Because this is the way the Word of God says. There's one that gives and yet increases all the more. Now, to our brain, that makes no sense. Especially when we've been developed in a financial operation in a cursed world. So that makes no sense. If I give, I'm going to get more. That makes no sense to me. I, if I'm going to get more, I need to get more. I need to keep more so I can get more. That's how we think. But the Word of God says if you give, you'll increase all the more. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have chased a lot of people out of church with this teaching. But we're going to teach it again. So hopefully you'll be here next week. <laughs> people just don't think that money, teaching on money, belongs in church. Just like people don't think politics belongs in church. People don't think that teaching young people about sex belongs in church. So you can learn about sex out behind the dumpster. You can learn about politics by a world that's got you controlled. Or you can learn about money by a financial system that's keeping you enslaved. It's your choice. Don't shout me down. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Let's see what the Bible says. <laughs> Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 9. It says, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And he was sowing, and some seed fell beside the, beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. And other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. And he, as, and, and he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, this is Jesus talking, so I'm thinking he's probably got a little more on the ball than we do. I would say his truth is what matters. And I'd say that his truth is what's going to change our life, whether we like it or not. You know, there's a lot of truth that I've heard I don't really like. A lot of it's come from my wife. And I'm serious. She'll say stuff to me through the years. I didn't like what she said. But I had to step back and go, is what she said true? I didn't like it. But when I had to admit what she said was true, I had to do something. I had to change. Are you with me? You know, it's not like I'm the man and I know. You're an idiot. 
I don't know if you realize this. You got that little pea brain that is so finite. You need help. Not you ladies, I understand. You're all on the ball. But guys, we need help. You know, we've got that empty box that we retreat to. And, and sometimes we live there for so long. When stuff wants to come in, we're like, shook. But she would say stuff. And I'd have to step back and go, is what she, I'd be ticked off. I mean, I'd, be admit, I'd admit to you. What she said really ticked me off. But I'd have to think about it. Is what she said true? Well, in order to come to an answer, I have to examine myself. And I come to realize, I don't always like what I see in me. Not in the light of the word. Now, before I knew Jesus, I loved everything in me. You know. <laughs> you, some of you can relate to that. But after knowing Jesus, it was based on what the word of God said that I now have to examine things. And I had to admit, that what she said was true, what I thought was not true, and I had to make a change. Well, if what she said is true, and I have to change sometimes to that, not all the time, but sometimes, well, how about what Jesus says? If he says stuff, and it's the truth, and we don't particularly like it, or we reason why this isn't going to work, well, now you're on the seed on the side of the road. You've got the seed in the rocky places. You've got the seed among the thorns. The good soil is when you admit and receive what Jesus said and, re and admit that what you said was wrong. See, because that's what humility is. Humility before God, the bottom line definition of humility and meekness before God is to remain teachable. Yes. Amen. Amen. Jesus said it. I think different. I'm wrong. He's right. Amen. I need to do something. Yes. And that's the, kind of, that's the kind of attitude that'll change your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus here is teaching the multitudes about different kinds of sowing. And then his followers asked him to explain the parable. So in verse 13, Jesus makes an astounding statement to his disciples. And he says to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? In other words, if you don't understand what I just said, you aren't going to understand anything. And if you don't understand what I just said, you're going to have no idea of how to live in the kingdom. Yeah. You understand, when you got saved, you came into the kingdom of God. You're no longer in that cursed world. Why do we continue to live under the curse of the world when we're in the kingdom of the blessing of God? Right. And all we have to do, oh, I'm just waiting for God to pour out. I'm sorry, excuse me, but God poured out for you 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus. And you had to make a decision to choose him into your life. And it's the same thing with everything else. But we get saved and then all of a sudden we go right back to the way it was before, when we were a sinner. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm waiting for God to come do something. You didn't wait for God to save you. God was waiting on you, son. He already provided what was necessary. He's waiting on you. Your choice, your decision. Whosoever will believe. Well, it's the same thing in everything in the Word of God. Will you believe what the Word of God says or not? Everything in the kingdom is based on the principle of sowing and reaping. And in fact, it touches everything in life. Amen? So verses 14 through 20. It says the sower sows the word. So he's going to explain now what he just had talked about. 
Go on, 15 to 20. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Stop right there. So that's the first ground. And that could be somebody sitting right here, hearing the word of God and going, I don't believe that. Just got stolen from you because you think you're right and the word's wrong. I didn't write that. Did you write that? No. Who wrote it? The Holy Spirit wrote that. I, I talked with a man one time, and he, and, I asked, and he said to me, I was out in the street, and he says to me, well, I don't believe that the word of God is the true word of God. I believe that man has touched it, and man's messed it all up. It's not really the word of God. I said, so what do you read? And he was reading stuff by that goofball. That, that book, The Stand, who wrote that book? Stephen King, was that who it was? Oh, he would read stuff like that. I'm like, really, that's what you read, and that's what you think is truth. But you don't think the Word of God is the truth. Well, we got into a little discussion, and then came the old staring into the sky, because there's no more answers. See, when you go down the road of that logic, you will always run into a dead end. There's no answer. But the answer is always in the Word of God. Yes. And when you can't run into an answer, when you can't find an answer, this is what I find with people. They just stare into the sky because there's no answer. They don't know what to say anymore because the Word is truth. But if you don't receive it, it gets stolen away from you. Verse 16 and 17. And in a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Bless God, seed sowing increase. That's what I want. Glory to God. And they have no firm root in themselves, but they're only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away and they are offended. Why does the persecution and affliction come? Because of the word. The devil, the devil comes against you with obstacles and resistance because of the word's sake. And I think we should know this by now. He wants to steal the word from you because if you let go of the word of God, there'll be no harvest in your life. Verse 18. And others are ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. Verse 19. And the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So here's a group of people that they have received the word and it started to bear fruit. Well, it started producing things in their life. I mean, I knew this one person some years ago and they would say, well, God's blessed me with so much. I have to go take care of it so I can't give my time to God like I used to. Well, you just choked the word right out of your life. And I know the people, and today, they are totally choked. They're not even serving God, living for God, or anything anymore. Verse 20. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and hundredfold. So it starts off by saying the sower sows the the word. The word is the seed that gets sown into our heart. So you have to now decide what the word means to you individually. You know, the sower sows the word. So what does that mean to you? Well, maybe to you it means salvation. 
the word is about salvation. Maybe to you, the word is only prophecy. Oh, this prophet, oh, that prophet, and what this one said, and what that one said, and that's all you know. And then there are some, some people that think the word is only a history book. This was from back then in those days, but that doesn't apply for today. Now, we understand that salvation is the most important thing. But as far as the Word of God goes, the Bible, it's not the only thing that it talks about. Isn't that right? The Word of God, the Bible, the principles, and the concepts of the Word of God that we are open to in our heart, it will reproduce in our life some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Okay? All right, go to Galatians 6, 7. Let me build a case here. Galatians 6, 7. You know, it's amazing how people say, well, you can't jump from one verse to another. It's out of context. It's funny. Jesus did that all the time. I'm just following him. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bring deliverance to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Boom, he stopped. But there was more to that in the Old Testament. But he pulled that part out because that's what pertained to that time. Hallelujah. So I figured if Jesus can do that, should be okay. Thank you. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So that means that if I look at my life today, my life is a product of what I've sown all my life. When I got saved at 30 years old, up until that point, my life was a product of everything I had sown in my life. And that's why my life was not good, because I never sowed good things. But if you want your life to change, you got to start changing what you're sowing. Amen. The Passion Trans, let's look at that in the Passion Translation of verse, six, verse 7 in Galatians 6. It says, God will never be mocked, for what you plant you will always, will always be the very thing you harvest. Whatever you plant, that is what's going to be harvested. The Phillips translation says, your harvest in life depends entirely on what is sown. Entirely, totally, and only on what you sow. Well, it's what they did. Nope, nope, it's not. Sorry. They might have treated you like a dog, but your response to it is what you sowed. And your response to it is your issue. Well, I'll tell you what, after what they did, I'm taking them to court because I'm going to. Well, your response is your issue. Look at the way them people were driving on. They almost cut me off. I can't believe they're doing this. It's not your issue. You are your issue. You responded to that wrong. You are your issue. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Was that for the front row? <laughs> so whatever you sow is what you will reap. Whatever you plant is the very thing you will harvest. Is worry a seed? Yes, it is. You can speak about things you worry. Is negativity a seed? What about when you're in situations and all you do is see and say what is wrong? 
Isn't it amazing how the more you see and say what is wrong, the more you see and say what is wrong. It just continues on and on and on. What about anger? Is anger a seed? Yes, it is. Is kindness a seed? Is joy a seed? Are finances a seed? What about speaking health scriptures into your body? Is that a seed? What about speaking that you can be, I can be led by the Spirit of God. That's what the Word of God says. I'm a son of God. I can be led by the Spirit. So speaking that, is that a seed? Yes, it is. Can I speak the Word of God? That's a seed. How about if I say things continually, well, things just never work out for me. Things just don't work out for me. Well, that's a seed. Oh, things will never change. Things will never change. I mean, look at them goofy people in Washington. Things will just never change. Well, you keep saying it. Are you with me? Things are never going to get any better. What if you say about helping somebody and you lend them a helping hand? Is that a seed? It's all seed. Your whole life is about a seed. Whole life is about sowing seeds. Seeds of words, seeds of actions, seeds of thought. It's all about seeds, what you're planting in your garden. Amen. So all of these things, besides many others, all falls under the heading of whatever. Whatever a man sows. This and only this is what he will reap. Amen. Whatever is alive in your heart, whether it's the truth or whether it's not the truth, you have the authority to speak it out of your mouth and then you have the authority to reap the harvest of it. If it's negative stuff, you have the authority. You believe that negative stuff, you have the authority to speak it out, you have the authority to reap the results of it. A man's harvest in life depends entirely on what he sows. So look at your life. I don't have to answer this, but look at your life today. Are you satisfied with where it's at? It's a product of what you've sown all your life. Are you ready to start sowing other things? You ready to start changing around words and actions and deeds and getting them in line with what the Word of God says? So whatever is alive in our heart, truth or not, we have the authority to speak it out of our mouth and reap the harvest as we do those things we say. What kind of harvest will you receive? 30, 60, 100 fold. Amen. Amen. This is why Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. This is why we talk about speaking the word of God over whatever we do. Speaking the word of God over whatever we give. Speaking the word of God. No matter what it might be, because the word is a seed that produces. Amen. Amen. So if I'm bringing my tithe, I should be speaking the word. It should not be a ritual, habitual thing that I just do. I just do. Here comes the bucket. I put this in. Oh, it's Friday. Right to tithe that. We're putting it in Sunday. No, you're just throwing your seed. You're not sowing it. You're throwing it. You need to get the word of God. You need to declare the word of God of what you're saying, what you're doing. And then you need to declare what the promise is that's attached to it. Amen. Amen. So today we are discussing seed sown into a work of the Lord, that which reproduces or grows the body of Christ. So it's seed sown into reaching the lost and seed sown into discipleship because that's the two sides of the commission that Jesus has given to us. Isn't that right? 
So again, like all sowing, purpose is the critical element. Purpose in your sowing is a critical element. Know how you are giving at any given time. How am I giving? Am I tithing? Well, then I need to speak the word of what the word of God says about the tithe and declare those things over my tithe. Am I bringing a first fruit to the Lord? Then I need to declare what the word of God says about bringing the first, honor the Lord with the first of all of your produce. Amen. Honor the Lord. And then he'll fill your bonds with plenty and he will, your vats will overflow with divine blessing. So you need to declare those things over your first fruit giving. Are you giving an alms? Are you helping somebody? Being benevolent, humanitarian. Then you need to declare, God is the one that will repay me. I am lending to the Lord and he'll not be a debtor to anybody. He will repay me. Isn't that right? Amen. So we're speaking the word over what we are giving. All giving is important, and each one has its own avenue of receiving. And that receiving is important also. You know, so many people say things like, well, God knows what I need. I don't need to ask. You prideful little thing, you. Or you're ignorant, one or the other. Yeah, God knows what you need before you ask. Therefore, ask. Get it right. Stop being that little humble, prideful person. Well, God knows what I need. I would never think to ask him for anything. That's like, again, you know, the father says to the, the, to the child, when you finish your dinner, you can have a chocolate chip cookie, a big one, grandma's chocolate chip cookie, you know. <laughs> and the child finishes all their dinner, and they're like, well, I don't want to ask for that chocolate chip cookie. If they really want me to have it, they'll give it to me. And daddy's going to think, what the heck's wrong with you, boy? And that's what God thinks about us. What is wrong with you? I already told you. Why don't you ask? Your asking is your faith. Asking is your sign of you believe what I told you. You don't ask because you have no faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith comes by and only by hearing the word of God. You can't pray for faith. It's not based on what you think or what you believe. It's based on what the word of God says. The more that we grow ourselves and give with purpose, the more we will receive back and be able to do more for God and for people. Amen. Amen. Now, the thing you need to understand about sowing seed, and this is where people get goofy on it, and I know there's wrong teaching on it. I've, I have not been involved with wrong teaching on it, but I have seen it out there. When it comes to giving and sowing seed, you have to understand that it's not the stock market. This is not a gambling game. It is not the investment numbers that we try to figure out. For instance, if I need $900, well, then I have to sow at least $30 for a minimum return of 30-fold. That'll get me $900. Or I just give them $9, and I'm believing God for a 100-fold return. That'll be my $900. No, now you're gambling. That's a numbers game. That's the stock market. You're wrong. It's not how it works. You know, by the grace of God and Pastor Ned and my commitment to God and honoring his word, we have tithed through the years, 42 years now. We have tithed. We have given first fruits. We've given alms and seed sowing. And we had to grow in it bit by bit. 
Now, when we first got saved, you know, all we understood was about the tithe and about giving, and we didn't understand about first fruits back then. And we didn't understand really about almsgiving and all the differences. And we had to learn these things and grow in them. You know, I would keep a book of seeds that we sown. Well, when you go back and look at it, you realize some of that's first fruit, so therefore that doesn't belong in the seed book. Some of it's almsgiving, it doesn't belong in a seed book. Only seed sowing belongs in a seed book. The tithing don't belong in a seed book. Are you with me? So we had to grow in these things. And there were times, and this is the part that everybody hates. Most people hate it. There were times we had to push ourselves, Purpose in our heart. Trust God and his word. When God says, I want you to give $50, and you're like, I don't have $50. And we believe in God for it. Are you with me? There were times that we needed a certain amount of funds. But we didn't figure it based on 30, 60, 100-fold return to determine what you sow. How do you determine what you sow? It's called the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Listening in your heart to what the Holy Spirit wants you to give. Because he knows what kind of seed it's going to take. And he knows that it may take a number of seeds to get to where you need to be. Everybody wants, I sow a seed, I should, ex- I should get a big harvest. You don't have big harvest faith, honey. And the faster you admit that, the better off you're going to be. And we'll get into that, so hold that thought. The Holy Spirit knows what kind of seed it's going to take to produce. He knows how long you need to sow in order for it to produce. It's just like, oh, I believe by his stripes I'm healed. Boom, I should be perfectly healed. If you perfectly believed, you would be. But you don't perfectly believe. Well, how could you say that? Because you ain't perfectly healed. (laughs) Come on. Let's be honest. It's never on God's side that there's a shortcoming. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. (laughs) Verse 10. If you can't have fun in church, where are you going to have fun? I mean, without that fun killing you. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And we know that harvest of righteousness, he's talking about the righteous acts of giving. According to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, he talks about beware of practicing your righteousness before man. And then he talks about one of those acts of righteousness is giving, right? So he's talking about increase the harvest of your righteous act of giving. So he's talking here about seed sowing. And there were times in my life where I could tangibly see where giving has brought me to a higher place in life. I needed to come to a higher place of life. I was brought up in the slums of Brooklyn where there were more cockroaches on the countertop than there were people living in the apartment houses. We would spray our apartment with what kind of spray for bugs and they'd all run next door. So then the people next door would spray their apartment for bugs and they'd all run back again. You'd be sitting there watching TV and be like, whoa, what was that? Something flying by. 
You know, and, and, and I understood bugs nest. If there's one bug, it could turn into 15. So as I got older, when I would see a bug, I'm going to kill that sucker because I know if you don't kill it, it's going to find somebody to nest with and you're going to have a whole lot more. So bugs would just flip me out for a long time, long time. I mean, until like maybe six years ago. I'm 72, like six years ago, you know, I'm just getting over bugs. It had a lasting impression on me. We used to be chased home by gangs every day at six years old. Every day. And it was all because, we, you know, we would go over to the projects. They built project areas, you know, and they had playgrounds in the project areas. The people in the projects lived better than we did. And you've seen Project Living on TVs and stuff. We were living, they were living better than we lived. And we would go over to use their playground. And we had across this big street in Brooklyn. It was Broadway. You all know Broadway, you know, but this is in Brooklyn, so it's not the Broadway. This is Brooklyn Broadway. And, you know, you got buses, trucks, taxi drivers, cars, all kinds of stuff. And it was right underneath the elevated, uh, the, the, the elevated uh, trains. So... Uh, We'd go, through, go across the street and go play in their playground. Well, they didn't like us in their playground. So they'd all gather together, and they'd want to start coming after us, and me and my brother would have to run. And you get to Broadway, and you got to make a decision. Am I going to dodge the traffic, or am I going to stay here and wait for the green light, and they're going to catch us? Well, we dodged the traffic. And my mother would be in the, uh, we were upstairs on the top floor in the apartment house and there were stores down below. And my mother would be looking out the window and she'd say, come on, come on, come on. And she'd see us getting closer and closer and she'd run over to hit the buzzer because she couldn't get in unless you hit the buzzer. So she'd hit the buzzer so we could get in, but then she'd have to let off the buzzer at the right time so they couldn't get in behind us. We needed help. You know, that's where I came from. That was life to me. I didn't know anything different. So anything could be a higher life <laughs> after coming out of that. You know what I mean? Well, after, you know, before getting saved, I thought I was the only one that could make it happen. And, um, you know, with all the stuff that we got into, all the stuff we got involved in, and I'm not going to tell you about, uh, although I think the statutes of limitation has run out by now. <laughs> You know, but all the stuff that we had gotten involved in and we were doing, it was all about trying to get more, trying to, you know, grow more, trying to take in more and trying to get more to work, you know. But then you find out the more you take in, the more is going out and you just can't seem to hold on to it. But we found out when we got saved that there were principles in the word of God and there were principles of living by faith. And it brought harvest into our life and changed our financial circumstances and financial condition. Why? Because he was increasing the harvest of our righteousness. Amen. Now, some people don't believe in specific seeds sown for specific purposes, but the Bible is clear about sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. And here's what I don't understand. Sowing and reaping and planting and harvesting works on a cursed ground. My wife has a garden out back on a cursed ground. Now, if planting and harvesting and sowing and reaping works on a cursed ground, how much more is it going to work in a blessed kingdom? Ooh, 
What is wrong with people? You know, the Bible says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Doesn't it? So what is he doing? He's saying, look at the natural. If you look at the natural, can't you figure out how the spiritual works? Look at the natural and how things work on a cursed ground. Don't you, don't you understand how spiritual things work? Why do you say spiritual? Oh, that's not true. That's, that doesn't work in the kingdom. Why not? It works in a cursed world. What's wrong with people? Besides deceived. And those people never seen the change. You know, speaking of change, oh, dear God. You know, my brother... Bless his heart. My brother, he, uh, he was married at 18 years old. And the marriage lasted about 10 years. So at about 28, the marriage fell apart. He went off and doing his own stuff and everything. And then later on, like in the late 30s, when he was in his late 30s, his wife, ex-wife, was also in her late 30s. And she would call us up. And I'm like, why are you calling me up? But she would call us up and she would complain, your brother, you know, your brother, he's not like he was back in high school. No kidding. I hope not. (laughs) High school or even in his early 20s in college, you know, he's not like he was back in his early 20s or in high school. He's changed. I hope he changed. Why haven't you? How long have you been saved? You haven't changed? Why? Why haven't you changed? Because you think you're smarter than God. That's right. Nobody's smarter than God. You understand what I'm saying? See, we think we got it together. We think I know, I do, and this is the way it is. And that's what you continue to sow. And things never change. And yet it works on a cursed ground. I have seen this building, both sides of this building, being built because of seed and faith and hard work. (laughs) I've seen obstacles that had to be removed as we were building the building. I've seen obstacles have to move out of the way because there was seed sown about those things and faith attached to it. Money that was owed for years got returned. I've seen budgets being met. I've seen needs being taken care of in the middle of economic downturn. I've seen funds to cover unexpected expenses. I've seen new cars come in debt-free. I've seen the church mortgage get paid off. And considering all of the blessings that has been received, and there's only some of them, but considering all the blessings that's been received, it's never about the stuff. It's never about the stuff. What is it about? It's all about what did you learn in believing and trusting God for the next time? What did you learn in believing and trusting in God for the next time? There will be a next time. And when you go through something and you think, I've got it together, you just quit learning. And if you've quit learning and you've quit growing, there's going to be a next time going to beat your butt. Are you with me? That might sound a little harsh, but you probably won't forget it. And all of that, there's seed and there's faith. You know, there's seed, time, and harvest. There's a seed that be sown, and then comes time, and then comes harvest. 
What do you have to work? What do you have to deal with during that time? You got to work past anxious thoughts. You got to put down worry. You got to get the word of God back alive in your heart and in your mouth. You have to speak over your seed list or water your seed list with faith. You have to declare the word of God in the face of contradictory circumstances. Fight the good fight of faith and not yield to that unrenewed mind or unstable emotions or a will that is so wimpy when it comes to believing God. And you got to push in, push in, push in and press in on those things. Pushing into the promise of God and pushing past the resistance and the obstacles that Satan wants to set up. Whether it's around you or whether it's in you. If you don't push past it, God can't do nothing about it. And that's what you heard today about grace. Grace is there so that you can. But you got to choose to. But you're not doing it alone. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Isn't that right? Amen. Seed sowing, concepts of seed sowing affects everything in our life. Whether it be spiritual areas how you treat other people, words that are spoken, health and financial areas, having a soundness of mind, character development. There's a big one, character development. You know, sometimes faith doesn't work, not because you don't believe, it's because you don't have the character to stand behind it. It's a big thing. People say, all you need is faith, liar. It's not true. It's about life. Jesus was the express image of the Father's nature, total in his character. And that's why he was so powerful on the earth. It's character that stands behind faith. Keeping a good conscience, faith and a good conscience, that's faith and character. If you let go of either of them, you'll suffer shipwreck in the area of your faith. Character development is very important. Stop being a character and build character. So it affects everything. Sowing, reaping affects everything. What we sow, where we sow is what we reap. In any area though that we just mentioned or any other areas. When we understand seed sowing, we're going to no longer allow the devil to steal our harvest. The word brings the light. Faith walks in the light. No longer in darkness where seed sowing is concerned. And we can make choices and decisions based on the light and have light results called living an abundant life. In fact, Jesus said, go over to John 10, 10. Jesus said that. In John 10, 10. And he said, the thief, of course, which is the devil, Satan, he comes only steal to kill and destroy the devil doesn't come to give you sickness he comes to steal your health he's a stealer he's a thief he comes to steal to kill and to destroy jesus said i came they would have life and have it abundantly the word abundantly is defined as over and above more than enough above measure super abundant Another Greek lexicon says the word abundantly is pertaining to a quantity so abundant as to be considerably more than what one would ever expect or anticipate. You can't even think about the abundance God wants to pour on you. Amen. 
So what is the avenue that God has given to us to step into this abundant life? Seed sowing. Seed sowing. If you want to increase, you're going to have to give away. Amen. You know, and people, you know, that just really freaks out some people because it scares them so much. You know, in the book of Acts, it says that all the believers were in uh, agreement and in unity. And those that had lands and houses sold them so that everybody could have something. Well, they weren't selling the house they lived in. They had extra houses. They had extra properties. And they sold it all and they brought the money into the church to take care of the poor. And everybody said everybody had something. So God's not leaving you destitute. And this is what people think. Well, God's just going to leave me. I need this. I'm going to be destitute. Well, that's what you say. That's what you sow. And that's what you will reap. Or you can declare what God says. By giving, I can increase all the more. This is the avenue of growth in my life. Will it happen overnight? No, it don't happen overnight. You have to show yourself faithful. Amen. But I will say this to you. Seed sowing is the surest way to step out of poverty. Seed sowing is the quickest road to total debt cancellation. Amen. Because when you sow a seed, what do you got, what do you got sowing? What, what, what's one of the things you got planting? Papaya. papaya. She's growing papaya. All right. So she picked up something and it was called tomato seeds, put it in the ground and to grow papaya. No? Why? Oh, because seed is supposed to produce after its own kind. Oh, I see. So if you're seed sowing, who gets to name the seed? The one that sows. Who named that tomato seed tomato? Who named that? Well, I don't know, but somebody named that seed. They named it tomato. They could have taken that tomato seed and said, this is a papaya. Because when you grew these red, round, juicy fruit, you'd have called them what? Papaya. Because it's a papaya seed. But yes, because if it's a papaya seed, if they have declared that that seed is papaya, then when you grew this round red fruit, it had been papaya. And then if you have this green tree out there growing this green fruit, but it was off of what they called a tomato seed, it would be called a tomato today. But it's not called a tomato today. It's called papaya because they decided to name the seed papaya. They decided to name the fruit papaya, and out of that fruit came a seed that they called papaya seed. Out of that tomato that they decided to call a tomato, out of that tomato came a seed that they called a tomato seed, and the seed will produce after its own kind. The seed doesn't produce something that never was. It will produce after its own kind. The fruit came first, and out of the fruit came the seed. So out of your tithing, God opens the window of heaven. God will provide for you and rebuke the devourer for you. And out of what comes out of that blessing, there is seed to sow into the ground because he provides seed for the sower. What seed are you sowing? I'm sowing seed for debt cancellation. That's the name of this seed, bless God. And that's what's going to go for. Amen. Are you with me? Did I get excited enough for you? Yes. All right. 
Look at the Passion Translation of verse 10. <laughs> I can't help myself sometimes. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you can expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Hallelujah. See, it's not just about money. If it's only about money, you're very poverty-minded. You're very short-sighted. Now, I understand the need for money. You know, I understand the need for health. I understand the need for a lot of things. But as you grow in God, it becomes a whole life thing. It's not just a one thing. It's a whole life thing. God wants to affect your whole life from the inside to the outside and all around you. Amen. Galatians 6, 9. Everybody okay? Good. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you will reap if we do not grow weary. You know, when it comes to harvest, harvest can come in lump sums, and other times it comes over time. Your healing can come all at once, and sometimes it comes over time. Right? Yeah. Deliverance can come over once, or it can come over time. But he says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Why? Because the word will come to pass if we don't let go of the promise. If you do not grow weary, if you do not let go of the promise, the word will come to pass. Keep it in your heart. Keep it in your thinking. Keep it in your mouth. Don't let weariness wear you down. That's what happens. Weariness wears us down. And where is weariness? It's not in your spirit. It's in your soul. Mostly in your emotions. But you've got to refuse to faint. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Why do we faint? Because we try to be strong in ourselves. I try to do what's necessary to make this happen. I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to have to really push in and, and so that I can get this. It's already been provided. What are you trying to get when it's already been provided? It's just pressing into faith. It's taking hold. That's why Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith. It's holding on to what the Word of God says. The only thing we're doing here is calling in the promise. Just like you go out on the front porch and you call in your dog. You call in that dog and that dog comes. You're not out there getting the dog. You're calling the dog. And then the dog shows up. Same thing with the promises of God. That's what faith is. It calls in the promise. You know, I've stood outside my house when we had a dog, and I've stood out there, and I've called that dog and called that dog and called that dog, and it took forever to, for that dog, depending on how far away the dog was. If the dog was on the side of the house, he'd be there in a minute. But who knew where the dog was? He had to wait for the dog to get back. But the dog heard the call. See, the promises hear the call of faith, and they're on their way. God's the one doing the work. God's the one bringing the promises. Amen. And there's many times that you have to deal with people. You got to wait on people. You know, when it comes, I don't care if it's 50 cents, okay? You know, you got to wait on people. God's going to use people to get money to you unless you find it in the street. You're probably not going to find $10,000 in the street. If you did, it's probably hot money. <laughs> you need to turn it in someplace. 
Well, you're going to get arrested for using it. <laughs> no. But God's going to have to use people. And, you know, people aren't always, well, let's just say this. Sometimes they're like us. And God wants to use us, and we go, no, I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. You know. We were in a restaurant last night. It's, it's, it's been, the last three days have just been so busy. So we went to a restaurant last night. Uh, we had to go out and do other things, get done, and we stopped to eat. And there was an elderly couple in the restaurant. So Pastor Ned says to me, well, you want to buy him dinner? I said, that's fine. We can do that. So we did. So what is that? Nope. What is it? Almsgiving. It's almsgiving. Why? Because you're helping them out. Because you could see that they were probably struggling and maybe just living on Social Security, and that's all that they had. So that was almsgiving to help them out. You understand? See, now in the past, I would have wrote that down as a seed, and I wonder, how come I'm not getting anything back? Because it wasn't seed. It's almsgiving. Are you with me? There's times that I've sown seed. This is very important, along with the other stuff we talked about today. This is very important. But there are times that I've sown seed for, for a desire that was in my heart. And I said, well, I'm sowing seed for this and what I'm believing God for. Well, then all of a sudden, God comes along and says, increase that seed. I mean, you're sowing it a couple of times and on. Then he says, increase that seed. You were sowing $10 for that seed. Now he says, start sowing $20 for that seed. Okay. He starts increasing it. So I thought, okay, we're increasing the seed. That's going to be good. Until he increased it again. And he increased it more. Then, as I'm sowing the seed and I'm keeping up with where he's at and what he's telling me to sow, then, all right, he starts to talk to me and puts it in my heart that I need to start believing bigger. I know this is what you're believing for, but you need to start believing bigger. Now, this isn't my idea. This isn't like, well, I just want more. You know, this is not that nonsense. This is not an emotional, selfish, ambitious thing. It's not just about like, well, why should I believe for, uh, you know, why should, I, if, why should I believe for $100? i am believing for $1,000, glory to God. Well, that's dumb. You don't believe none of that. You just want that, but you don't believe that. And then you wonder, why does it take so long? Because you have to grow into believing that. So God then puts it in my heart to believe bigger. So then I sowed more as the Holy Spirit directed me. And after two years, the promise came. Well, why did it take so long? Matthew 13 could be your answer. Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. Hallelujah. Matthew 13, 31 and 32. He presented another parable to them. Okay, it's another parable. Now, remember, you have to remember the parable of the sower to understand any of the parables. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Why did it take two years for the promise to come to pass? Because I had to grow to the promise. 
People think that they're just superman, super faith man. I just believe it and it happens. No, it doesn't. If everything that you believe happens, it's because you got your diapers on, which is nothing wrong with that. You got your diapers on, and God's there to take care of you. But there's a time to grow up, and there's a time you're going to have to deal with disappointment, yes. disillusionment. It don't happen like it used to. Well, mommy, mommy used to just bless me all the time, but now I got to take the garbage out first. Geez, now before I get anything, I got to wash down the whole refrigerator. See, responsibility comes as you grow. When you're a baby, there's no responsibility. So it's like, ah, ah, and you get it. Hopefully that doesn't happen when you're 10 years old, 30 years old, so on. Yeah, I'm not going any further. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? See, and there comes a time when you're going to be believing for something that's way out from where you can even think. So I had to grow to the promise. When I first started sowing seed into this, I could not receive it where I was when I first sowed. The seed had to become full grown and I had to grow with it. See, a lot of people don't want to grow. They just want that seed to grow. I want that seed to grow. You got to grow. Why? The seed, the sower sows the, the sower sows the, the word. So if you haven't grown, word isn't growing. So therefore, that word you sow isn't growing. Therefore, your seed isn't growing. Concepts and principles of the word of God. Our harvest may be being delayed because we haven't grown into it yet. You know, every single one of us sitting here can believe. Man, if I won the Powerball and I had $60 million, I tell you what. Ooh. Yeah. You know, and you know why you can tell us what? Because you're on this side of the $60 million. When you get over here on this side, everything changes. All of a sudden, your perception changes, your outlook changes, and baby needs a new pair of shoes. Glory to God. You know? And it's like, all of a sudden now, $60 million doesn't change you. How many people have won the million-dollar lottery, and within a year, they were broke? You say, well, they were f that money just made them foolish. No, they were a fool before they got the money. And fool showed itself to be what it was when it got the money because now it has the avenue to show its foolishness. Don't shout me down. We have to grow into that promise. There were things that we're, yeah, and just like those people I talked about earlier. Well, God has blessed me so much. I don't have time now to, to be involved with God and all because I'm so busy with taking care of the stuff God's blessed me with. You weren't ready for it. You were not ready for that promise. It's changed your priorities. It's changed everything in your life. You weren't ready for it. You didn't grow into it. And I'm not even saying God blessed them with it. It's what they wanted, and they done worked hard to get it. And they produced it by the work of the flesh. Are you with me? Growing into it. During the wait. Seed. Time. Time. Harvest during the wait 
take the opportunity to grow. If you don't grow, you don't go. You got to develop more in the word. Take that opportunity to develop in the word. It's amazing to me how when they locked us down for what, a week or something here in Florida, they locked us down. Everybody decided they were going to get their Netflix movies all caught up. You're locked down, you can't go anyplace. What a great opportunity to grow in the word. Because you're going to have to go back out again at some point. You know, and then you're going to have to make a decision based on vaccines that they want to give you. Then you got to make choices about wearing masks. And then you got to make choices about all other kinds of stuff that they want to throw at you. I mean, whether you do, whether you don't, that's not the idea. The point is you're going to have to make choices. And are you going to be ready for choices? You know, right now things are mounting up over in China. Things are mounting up over in Russia. Things are mounting up in Iran. Things are mounting up in Israel. Are you ready? Are you ready? You know, what are, what are you going to start hearing coming across the airwaves? Are you ready? Or are you just playing Christian? There's choices that are going to have to be made. And it's all going to determine and be based on what you've been sowing. Amen. When you're waiting for that time, start speaking the end result. Start speaking your desire. Remind yourself of the seeds that you've sown. Pray it in. Amen. Sow the principles of seed time and harvest into your heart again. You say, well, you know, I, I, I know that. Well, faith don't come because you know that. Yeah. And there's times I deal with stuff and I knew things from 40 years ago, but still bring them up, bring them up, bring them up. You know, Peter said, I will not fail as long as I'm in this earthly body. I will not fail to remind you and stir you up by way of reminder. David, you know, when his men were going to kill him, it says that he encouraged himself. Stirred himself up. Well, you can stir yourself up by reminding yourself and get back into those things that you always knew and get them back stirring in your spirit again instead of just having that dead head going, oh, I know that, I know that. You don't know that. And the, 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 obvious, the, the obvious proof of that is it isn't working. Yeah. Now, recovery is working. You know, recovery is working. So when there's recovery, it means things are working. But when you're not recovering and you don't have your total manifestation and all that, and there's no increase on anything, things aren't working. But yet you think you know something because you heard it a long time ago. And what it actually is is that you're now taking the word for granted. And it has no effect because now you're operating in the flesh. But if you stir yourself up, It'll be out from your spirit yeah. is where things will work. Right. Amen. Sowing the principles of seed and harvest into your heart again. This is one thing above everything else. Above everything else, you do not ever want to tell yourself this. Why well, try that? Yeah. You don't ever want to tell yourself that. I tried that. You know, Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, uh, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, and... Um, 
our, our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, principalities, spiritual forces in high places and, and, and uh, spiritual wickedness, right? And then he says, having done all the stand, stand. And then he goes through the whole list of what you should do to stand. Gird yourself in the truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, put on the shoes of stability, which is called peace. And he says, get behind the shield of faith. Put on that helmet of a renewed mind. Put that sword of the spirit in your hand. And then get into prayer. That's what it's all about. You know, whenever we say things like, I tried that, you're deceiving yourself because the word of God never says try. And the word of God never uses the word try. Well, just try this. See how it works out. Well, try this. If, if it doesn't work, to try something else. No, the word never says try. The word uses things like do, stand, fight, receive. Those are the things the word of God talks about. It never talks about trying. If we grow weary, you'll throw everything away. You need to grow into the thing that you're believing God for. You need to grow into it. 30, 60, 100 fold. It's God's multiplication factor. Increase the harvest. He doesn't just add to you. He increases it, multiplies it 30, 60, 100 fold. And this kind of blessing is what causes us to be able to do more, be more, receive more in any area of life. God is trying to grow your life. Amen. Listen, God set the rules for giving. He set the rules for receiving. All we have to do is follow the rules with faith and a heart of love. And your life will be one that's full of results. Overnight, nope, you got to press into it. You've got to change that thinking. You got to get that mind renewed. You got to get that soul restored in that area. You got to continue to press in and press in and press in. The word of God will enable you will strengthen you, make you able to do that if you'll just make the choice. And if you do, you'll get to the point to where everywhere you look in your life, you're going to see the hand of God here, you'll see the hand of God there, and you'll see the hand of God everywhere in your life. And no matter where you see the hand of God, you need to know he ain't done yet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. Glory to your name, Jesus. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, you know, there is no word that is of private interpretation. So I'm just going to say what I heard from the Lord as I was praying about this service. Chelsea, God is saying to you right now that if you will, because you're a tither, that if you will go ahead and sow seed today, that there is a financial miracle around the corner waiting for you. And your obedience will open the door for that to happen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, God supplies seed to the sower. So ask the Lord today what it is that you would what he would have you to sow today. And if it seems to be beyond what is in your hand, then you can believe God to bring into your hand that which you need to sow. But ask the Lord what it is that he would have you to sow. 
And whatever that is, remember, he's the one that knows your tomorrow. So whatever he says, just do it like Mary. Whatever he said, do it. And he will increase the harvest that comes from your righteous acts of giving. Amen. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you for all that you are and for all that you do. Father, we receive your word today, and we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, bring these things back up on the inside of us. The four ways of giving with the four avenues of reward so that we can always sow and give on purpose, with purpose, and know what it is that we can believe for in return. Father, we thank you that you've said it. We're not the ones that made it up. You've declared it, and you said it so. And all we do is set ourselves in agreement with what you say, and we act on it. And we thank you for the results in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God.